I am not a content person. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Recovering Hypocrite Podcast. As always, I am your chief recovering hypocrite around these parts, uh, Noel Jesse Haken. And, and today is an interesting episode uh, because the genesis of this episode is Twitter. I tweeted something, somebody made a smart aleck comment back to me, and it turned into this, this episode. Uh, my guest today is is Ronnie Martin, who is the pastor, church planter, actually, church planter slash pastor. I don't know at what point you switch from one to the other, of, subs, of Substance Church in Ashland, um, Ohio, right? Or Indiana or Illinois, they're all the same to me. It's Ohio. Um, and co-host of the Happy Rant podcast uh, as well. We'll get links in the show notes to those. But basically, I tweeted uh, a passage from Philippians online on contentment and just basically said, man, um, I'm just wrestling with am I content these days? And I, I think it's in a COVID world. It just seems to be something no one's talking about. And Ronnie just tweets back at me, we should do a conference on this. And I'm like, well, no <laughs> one's going to a conference these days, but you want to talk about it on podcast. So Ronnie, I have no idea whether you have any expertise in contentment, if you are the most discontented person in the world, but you were the first to say, let's talk about it. So congratulations. <laughs> you get to be yeah, there. I feel so, I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke, I finally, I had good timing yeah. in my, in my life. Typically had really bad timing in my life and my career, uh -huh. quote unquote. Yeah. And, uh, so I guess it worked out. Well, this time. you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, you don't have to be best. You just have to be first. Exactly. Um, and good so, point. but the idea, uh, the, the comment that you made, here's what struck me is you just basically said you could take that passage apart into pieces and do a whole conference on the whole thing. And let me just oh, yeah. read it, just, just for context. And it's a passage that's so uh, familiar to people, but in Philippians 4, um, it, it just says, basically, uh, Paul makes this comment. He says, I know both how to make do with a little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And obviously people get a tattoo of the last verse there, but right. never in the context of contentment. Yeah. And so uh, just, I guess I'm going to just throw this at you, just say, what is your journey with contentment? Like, where are you right now, especially in, in your life? And like where you're at right now with COVID and pastoring a church? I mean, talk talk to me about contentment. Yeah, no, that's such a great question. I I, I feel like it's, um, it's one of those areas that I've not experienced a ton of growth in. And so your comment, it really triggered something in me, which is this desire to be content and just spending years and years praying through that, reading some, you know, there's, I don't feel like there's been a ton written about it or discussed about it. It's almost no. like this thing that we're afraid to touch because it's assumed that, especially with what me and you do as pastors, like we, we have to be leaning into contentment. We have to be happy with the lot that God has given us and the place that he's put us instead of, you know, being maybe a little more honest and saying, actually, I'm not. And I have a hard time trying to get there. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting that Paul says it's something you have to learn, right? So yeah, that's what he says. He right. says, he says, I have learned the secret uh, to contentment, but I wonder how long it took him. Like, yeah, at, like at what point right. in his journey and his trials and all that, did he actually say, oh man, I'm, I'm actually pretty content with where I'm at. Yeah. Was that like eight days before he died? Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like one of those things. Right. But I would say it's definitely been the, the most ongoing difficult 
thing in my life to, to experience any sort of, I would say, greater understanding of and then growth. Is that hyperbole when you say um, it is the hardest thing I've had to deal with? I mean, is it really that high up on the list for you? Because I think a lot of people are unwilling to confess that. There's certain sins that you can you can easily confess, but the idea of confessing, I am not a content person. And that, that's pretty high on the list. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it, 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 it would be at the top of my list because I think there's so many things that root out of it. And so I could, I could list other things that are struggles for me, for sure. Um, but I think at the root, at the fa- foundationally, I think that there is a lack of contentment. There is a lack of liking um, the life that God has given me and believing that it's the best life that he has for me now, right? Getting a little jolt, yeah, yeah, right? Well, with that. But you know yeah. what I mean? But there's, but the truth of that comment, which is whatever God has for us is what he has ordained for us. And therefore it is the, the best thing he has given us for this particular moment or in our lives. And I think at the root of it is this unbelief or this unwillingness to say, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you ordain is right. Like that's Sandra song, mm-hmm. you know, goes. And, um, and I think that there is a, there's a fundamental unbelief at the root of it. And so for me, as painful as it is, I can say, yeah, I am not a content person and I'm, and it's a, it is a daily wrestle. So it really would be at the top of my, uh, my list with those. You know, you, you sure. think over, you know, there, part of me looks at this, okay, Paul 2000 years ago writes that he had to learn the secret to this. Yeah. But then I look at our culture right now and I wonder if Western individualistic, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you mm. can achieve anything, you can be anything you want to be. Yes. You are the center of deciding what is right for you and and where you should be in life that whole self-made thing and the instagram yeah. let's let's have our best life on instagram at least so that people could see that i wonder if all of that makes us less likely to be able to find the secret of contentment than when paul wrote it now again i don't want to presume that i, I mean right. selfishness in our own our the fact that paul said he had to learn it i guess it, it is a human experience, but I wonder if it's worse now. It just like, yeah. cause think about this. I mean, if you know, you're in a town of 30,000 right now, you know, um, uh, if you were born there 150 years ago, you may not have ever traveled any farther than that. So you're, you're right. So would you have been just as discontent then, or does Instagram and our rugged individualism make it worse now? I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think I think what we have surrounding us, um, I think we have all these liabilities in a sense, right? Mm. I think we have more things to create a a sense of discontentment or a reality of discontentment in our lives, maybe than we would have had 150 years ago. I do think it's a state of the heart, and so I think that whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can find something that we can say, "I don't want this." I want that, or I'm entitled to this instead of that, or I deserve this. I don't deserve that. And, but I think that what you just described is pretty accurate. We have more occasions now to look around and say, but if I had that, or if I could just be there, or if I could be that person, and I got a visual on it all the time now. So when everybody's gramming their, their life 
And again, we all we see is the highlight reels on Instagram right, for the right. most part, right? Because we're not willing to look at anybody that's posting about how like real everything is. Oh, yeah. right? That's not Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to see that, right? Um, but I think it gives us the occasion now to just even go, oh man, I know I'm convinced that Noel has a sweeter life. Well, I, I do, do, but well, but you do, and that's true. But, but yeah. let's let's. I mean, we have to be honest about all. all <laughs> let's pivot. Let's pivot off that. No, but second. no, but think about. It. So even just this, the statement that Paul makes. I mean, he he lands on that very famous verse of "I can do all things uh, through Christ who strengthens me," uh, but the all things he's talking about, I think, contextually is contentment. So what he's saying is in in the circumstances you're living in, in the people that you're around, in the church members, if you're a pastor, the church members that that God has brought into your church, and the pastor, if you're a congregant, that he's given you. I could be content yeah. in all these things. I can be content in COVID. I can be content yeah. um, when I don't get the job. Um, those are the things that you can do through Christ's strength. That seems so just abs- absolutely foreign to our imaginations mm. that mm. we would even want it. Because the whole idea is, hey, I, I should be pursuing this. I should be going and getting those dreams. I, you know, Gary V tells me that I, you know, I should just, you know, just <laughs> have this discontentment about life. But Paul's like, no, 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 there's a, there's a secret to a better life in there. And that's a great point, though. It, what you just said, I think, really struck me is we're we're almost taught discontentment as a way to further ourselves. Right. So you're never going to further yourself if you are just content with the way everything is. Yeah. And so that it's almost a worldly message that is sort of uh, intertwined with ambition. Yeah. And I think what you said is so true. I think what Paul is saying in that, you know, that coffee mug end of the verse is just, I'm able to endure. I'm able to get through whatever that God has ordained for my life um, with his strength. It's not just I can conquer the world and I'm going to the, you know, the, there's the next mountain. And I'm going to get that next mountain. I'm going to conquer that next mountain because in reality, we're likely not going. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to meet with my surgeon tomorrow. So I had an accident last year and I've had a couple surgeries um, mm. on just on my arm. And I know what he's going to say because he says this to me every time he asks, are you happy with the result that you have right now? Um, and I was yeah. thinking just this morning. So I was doing some physical therapy this morning and I was thinking, you know, I'm not happy with the result, right? but I think that I'm growing in contentment with the result. I, okay. I really think I am. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I, I can be content with this. And I don't know if he's going to like that answer, <laughs> but I, I think that's what I'm going to tell him tomorrow. If he says, are you happy? I'm going to say, no, no, but I'm, I'm content. It could be better, but you're okay with what is. Right. In the present yeah. circum with your yeah. circumstances. And the present yeah. and the rest of my life. It's it's like, well, this is this is this ain't changing. So it's yeah. I'm gonna I I have a choice. I can be content with this, or I can be perpetually living in a state of discontentment and I wonder how much that's connected with joy, right? Um yeah. joy and contentment. Can you uh, I, I, can I live a joyful life if I'm discontented about um, my this the mobility I have in my arm for the rest of my life? Likely not. Like right, exactly. <laughs> That's, yeah, exactly. We talk about having a holy discontent, or at least Christians talk about that. Uh, Pastors talk about that. We talk about ambition. So, like this morning, I was uh, in an elder meeting, and we were talking about we <laughs> we did the really stupid thing of laying out a five year vision. 
on the fall of uh, 2019. <laughs> um, and we were even dumber in the fact that we called it more of the same. Which it's just hysterical. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're, you're fulfilling your vision, oh, right? Oh, my. Yeah, I think any one of us would give our right arm for a, a modicum <laughs> of same right now. But uh, one of the things in our vision that, that I was so excited about the time is we talked about expanding our gospel footprint. And for me, it was, an, I, I'm kind of like a, a achiever. Let's do stuff. Let's build stuff. Let's yeah. reach people. But even that phrase, expanding the gospel footprint, to me, you know, it's like, it feels like discontentment with what God has given us. And it feels like an ambition that maybe, should we have that sort of ambition? So talk about like, how does how does discontentment and like a holy discontentment and gospel ambition fit into this whole thing? Oh, man. You're asking the right and the wrong guy, I think, <laughs> you know, simultaneously about that. I don't know. We use these phrases like holy discontentment, and then we almost like, we, we almost make them inspired. Right. In a yes. way, you know? Yeah. And then and you go, oh, yeah. gosh, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> I can't find that anywhere. <laughs> Where is this whole pulling myself up by my bootstraps passage I know is here? I know. I think that, yeah, and I think we use it to justify some of our actions when we are unsure of taking a next step um, that is very ambitious, maybe. So we say, well, I'm, I'm, it's a holy discontentment. Whereas I think there can be, a, it's probably a bad phrase, but I think there can be a holy discontentment if what we're discontent with are things like injustice and some of the things we're even seeing like today. You know, there should be a discontentment with the state of the world as it pertains to God not being okay with any of these things, right? And, and neither should we, right? So I think that that's one way we could reframe our holy discontentment. But I think what you're talking about is we usually make it more personal and it's usually infused with a particular kind of ambition. And so we say, you know, I, I want to move on from this because I, I'm- Because I'm I got the job home. offer in the bigger church down the road, <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah. Absolutely. And so I think it's a way for us to justify those things. But I, you know, I think there's probably some truth to that. I, you're probably this is the passage you're probably going to hit, but the first Timothy yes, passage, yes, godliness with contentment is great gain. What's interesting about that is he alludes to the fact that there can be a contentment without godliness that wouldn't be necessarily a gain. So there, there is a there is a kind of contentment that we can have, but if it's not, if it doesn't intersect with godliness. Um, it's not something that we want to that we want to have or that we want to pursue. And I wonder if holy discontentment is um, in it in and of itself. It can be kind of a perpetual contentedness. Like I'm content to have this holy discontentment as I just keep sort of like bull in a china shopping myself yeah, yeah. through through all of these things in life as a way to you know give me an excuse to move forward in things that nobody else is going to be able to call me on. Because the minute I say it's a holy discipline, sure. well, it's a, what do you exactly? It's that? like, oh, yeah, and God has called me to do this. Well, thank you for putting the trump card on the table that I now don't get to <laughs> exactly. even challenge your, your idea. So, I mean, what you've just shut down the you, conversation exactly. immediately. So, that. so yeah. interesting, it's interesting what you were just saying. You're talking about having a holy discontentment about like the state of affairs in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And then I was looking back on this Philippians passage. I maybe when Paul is talking about contentment it's about me i need to have contentment in the situation that i'm in want or 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 in abundance you know the situation i'm in and the discontentment that's appropriate 
is out there. Mm. You know, the discontentment um, in the state of justice in the world, discontentment with the uh, number of churches that are out there, the discontentment in reaching people for Christ, you know, all those sorts of things. And and maybe discontentment even becomes the wrong word, but it's kind of like a, I don't know what what the right word is. But We could probably spin it more optimistically than that, right? Yeah, yeah. But then internally, with where I am in my moment, I need to have contentment with where God has placed me and where I am. And in my situation. I think you're describing a holy desire. Maybe, so a holy, yeah. Maybe that's the better way of yeah. phrasing it. Like I have a holy desire for more, you know, for in our context, right? More churches to be planted, you know, more people, more people, you know, coming, you know, face to face with, uh, you know, gospel truth and gospel centrality, and, um, you know, the 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 injustice that we're seeing around the world. I want to see those things end. Well, that that's not that is in. I guess that's a, that's a combination of a discontentment and a desire. I, maybe the better way to talk about that is, no, that's my desire. It's, yeah, that is a yeah. holy desire because it's the desire of the Lord. Well, it's interesting because even the, so this may go against my point, but that passage of 1 Timothy 6.6, <laughs> 6, just the context, because he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, which means he's building it on something. He just got done saying, don't be conceited. Um uh, or get in, in, have an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words, which is called Twitter. Um, <laughs> he goes. He said, "For from these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, constant disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of truth, uh, and imagine godliness is a way to material gain. But godliness uh, with contentment is the great gain." I, it's almost like he's saying, "Yeah." He's challenging our Twitter mindset too, like this unhealthy interest in quarreling and fighting with people constantly. Yeah, he's like that is showing that you don't have true godliness with contentment. Yes, yeah, the great point. That's a great point. I'm not. I'm again not sure what to do with it. Just just circling around this idea, but I, I think that all of those kind of if you kind of combine those Philippians and First Timothy passages, it's 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 showing where our idolatry is. Yeah, and I think I don't. I mean, I'm glad you you use that word because I think I think that's that's probably at the heart of this. So when I think of my own lack of contentment, I think I can I can quick if I want to be honest, and there's no reason not to be honest. Um, I think what I can get to very quickly is, hey, root out those idols because that's really at the heart of it. There's there's a particular there's something that you are bowing down to. There's something that you are desiring more than God. Um, there's there's some kind of a goal that you want to attain to that you're not getting to quick enough or ever. And then I think if you go, I think if you go, if you concentric circle out from that a little bit, what I've noticed my lack of contentment can turn into is actually it's a discontentment with God himself. It's an anger mm. with God. Oh yeah. So I, I find myself angry at God because he's not giving me the things that I think would be best for me. Um, even though some of these things you could justify as being good things but he just has not granted me those things. And so you're left in this place that says, well, Lord, am I going to trust you for your gifts for me? Or am I going to just keep running in circles, kind of stubbornly digging in my heels until you grant me the gifts that I want from me? Mm. And so that's been a little bit of the pattern or a lot of it, I would say, of the pattern of my life over the last you know, 25 years, uh, you know, acknowledging those things and realizing this has to be a daily prayer for me, a daily, you know, acknowledgement. I have to have that level of self-awareness about it because I can build up into these explosions where I'm just, I'm just cycling through just 
just just this sort of storm of discontentment, you know. So when was when Paul says that he's learned to be content, that he's learned the secret of contentment. What do you think he's saying? I would say that it's the the best way that I can think about it is it, to me it has to be connected with our our love for Christ and our 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 like having this growing utmost certainty that this is a God who like loves me to a degree that I can't fathom and I can't grasp, but to the point to where it doesn't matter what pops up today. It doesn't matter what I'm faced with. I am so convinced of the depth that I don't understand and that I'm only like one millimeter into of the love that God has for me and that everything, this is where theology is supposed to help us, right? Um, and doesn't very often because we don't believe it very well. But just this, this, this fathom, this unfathomable love that God has for me and believing it and understanding it and cherishing it and meditating on it and reflecting on it. I th- it feels like when you read Paul, he had gotten to that place that says, it doesn't matter if I'm shipwrecked. It doesn't matter if I'm locked up. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm being beaten. I just, I go back to this understanding, this belief this affection for Christ, knowing that his affections for me are like boundless. And I, I don't, I don't know that I can think of it any other way because that is the place that I feel like I, I pray for and I, and I aim for in my personal life, if that makes any sense. And you know, the verses just before this, he had just got done saying, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you've learned, received, and heard from me, and seen to me. The God of peace will be with you. And I wonder if that's, if if it is just like so many other things in our sanctification, about lifting our eyes from where we are here to where we are in glory, <laughs> to moving yeah, our eyes wow. from our um, condition to our position, moving it, mm-hmm. you know, just and 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 say, okay, we are in Christ, and dwelling on. Christ mm. and who we are in Christ and all of that. And then there's a peace that we can have. And in that peace, we can look at our circumstances and go, okay, if Jesus has already, uh, you know, seated me in the heavenlies with him, yeah, yeah. then that same power that did that can handle this situation. So I, I, I'm okay. Yeah. And I, I love what you said. I, I'm going to remember this line that you just said from condition to position um, I, I think that's key, what you just said, um, from con- condition to position. And I think Paul would, you know, obviously this is not a brother who denied his condition. I mean, he was just facing it all the time. He wrote about it. He embraced it. But what was, what was ob- the thing that was obviously filling him with hope and with life was his position in Christ. And then whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, I mean, Christ being the pinnacle and the essence of that. Um, that, that seems to be where Paul was always repositioning himself into that reality. And yeah, condition, position, that, there's our conference right there. Uh, there you go. And, and, oh, there and, and the beauty of it is a uh, shameless plug. I already wrote a book that talks about that too. So um, uh, there you go. So see, if I would have read the book, I would have known that. So there's my, there's what I have to confess. I didn't read the uh, book. True story. This has nothing to do with anything, but my, uh, a friend of mine the other day, I, I, he was, I was harassing him about this, this hashtag he uses all the time. And we kind of went back and forth on it. And I told him, I said, you know, I 
wrote that hashtag into my book <laughs> to see if you would read my book. And you never brought it you up kidding. to me. No, true story. So, <laughs> but I don't, you know, you know what it's like? I don't even remember what I wrote. You know, it, yeah, it's like yeah. you, you get done writing and people are like, I, I had somebody who literally a couple weeks ago sent me and said, you said this. Oh, this is a true story. She said, you said this one line in your book and <laughs> I have been reflecting on it all day and I'm wondering what you meant. And, and she, like, and she gave no me idea. the sentence fragment, not even the whole sentence. And so I said, gosh, I, you're going to have to help me. Can you tell me which book and what page? <laughs> and so she did. And I looked and I kid you not, I swear it's a typo. You're kidding. I am not kidding. The word, oh, they, they so I must've done the typo. They didn't catch it in the, tra- in, in, in editing, yeah. Yeah. but I, I, and I said, Dude, I am so hilarious. glad that God has used that. It's kind of like the foolishness of preaching. I will I will oh, prepare yeah. for 20 hours and preach a sermon. And the one line I ad lib is the one that everybody remembers. And I'm like, <laughs> this is the foolishness of podcasts and preaching and, and being an author. So, so anyway, okay. So, so as a pastor, it. I'm going to reorient here. So as a pastor, so somebody in your congregation comes up to you, and because of this season of life that we are in, this COVID season, racial tensions, political divide, it's like the trifecta of 2020. And they are like, I cannot do this any longer. I this, How do you or do you go to a place of talking to them about contentment? Or is there a different, how do you shepherd somebody who is just discontent because that's what 2020 is i mean no pressure no no pressure just the key is to ask you to pastor uh the folks in my congregation that's what i'm doing so anybody's listening (laughs) who's gonna i'm not gonna have any i'm just saying you need a day off no is what you're saying yeah and if you could just handle this for me that'd be great Um, I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind because we have we have had some of those conversations like i'm sure you have and um the first thing that comes to mind is i think they're them, you know, the act of them coming to you in and of itself, I think is really important because I think what we tend to do with all, you know, when, when we're, when we're on social media and we're seeing all the divisiveness is most of us actually have the tendency, even if we're lashing out to isolate and just do self-protection. And I always say, if when somebody comes to me with, with a concern like that, I always say, Hey, this is the right response. Move into community, press into people, be, you know, get into a place where you can express some of your fears, can s- express your discontentment with the way life is, with the way God has ordained our lives right now. And again, move them back into the love of Christ, um, you know, the omniscience, the omnipotence of God. I mean, let's reorient ourselves back into this God that we allegedly worship, but haven't had a lot of reasons to trust him until 2020, maybe. And, um, and again, let's, let's reorient our people um, with just um, the affection that Christ has for us. I've been pointing people to Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly. Man, what yeah, a, I haven't read that yet, got, but everybody's, yeah, that everybody's talking about it. You got, you got to read it. It's, I, I mean, it just brings you back to just the overwhelmingness of Christ's love for us. And it just expands the horizons in your mind for it. And so that, that's just a little of what I've, I've been doing and, and then encouraging saying, Hey, let, let's keep having this conversation. You know, we should get coffee in a few days and, and just keep talking about this. Cause by the way, you're helping me through this. 
the more that we can dialogue about this in a peaceful way, and even though we, you know, we might even share some disagreements in some of these areas, but if we can talk about it in a peaceful way, aiming for unity, I think we can create a level of contentedness in the way that we are facing it together. Um, that's what I, I guess that's a, just a snapshot there. But. The first thing you said was, uh, I'm so thankful that you have brought this up because people tend to bottle it. Um, this morning, talking through uh, with our care director at our church, who does a lot of work with people in mm. trauma situations, one of the things he, he, we're talking about is the fact that there is right now this global pandemic, and even the world is watching us on our racial tensions, and the world is watching us with our politics. Mm-hmm. We are going through a global psychological trauma right now. Now, and you just can't. You can't ignore the fact that that is happening. And what he made, the comment that our care director made this morning, Eric Thomas, who oversees all of that, mm. he said, most people in the midst of the trauma don't seek help. Mm. It is after the trauma is over that they reach out. And I, what you just said is I think that, so just if anybody's listening right now and you're going through that trauma right now, reach out and get some help now just while you're in it and 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 you may get better perspective later so you may be you may not be able to fully hear everything right now but man just the fact that you would actually go to your life group that you'd go to your pastor that you'd go to somebody and just say i am really hurting and struggling right now um Mm. and the church ought see here's what i'm worried about the church ought to be a safe place for that to happen but what's happening is we are in um Aaron Carr, who's a, a pastor down in um, in Downriver, Detroit, he made a comment to me that has stuck in my head. He said he came of age in a fundamentalist culture where he had to learn how to preach the gospel in a mm. culture that was of, of, of whatever you believe is fine. And now, as soon as he got to that world, now the culture itself has become fundamentalist. And so because the culture is fundamentalist, because it is cancel culture, because people are very quickly in a binary fashion placed into corners, it may feel unsafe to tell people what you're really thinking. And so I I, I do want to just say, if anybody's listening, take the risk anyway, and somebody you share it with might burn you. They might, they might, they might cancel you, yeah, they might burn you, but take the, take the risk, yeah. be vulnerable um, mm. and share what you're going through. It's mm. good. Yeah, that's a good word. I think we've all, I think we're all experiencing that. I think as, I think as tensions rise, everything around you, we get flinchy, right? Everything is, we're touchy. Everything begins to feel unsafe. And we're, we're very careful about who we express our opinions to. Um, and we're very careful that somebody's going to turn on us because people have turned on us. And that, that creates something inside of us that makes us not as open to others. But then again, we tend to just experience these things alone. And, um, and that's just never the answer for the body of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. So let's do this. I just, as we're wrapping up, I, occasionally we'll do this, but I really think it's good on this topic. Would you pray for everybody who's listening? Let's do it. God, I, I thank you for Noel. I thank you for uh, his uh, his body of believers that you've put him over. And I thank you for uh, my church and um, just the people that are listening right now talking about contentment. And Lord, just uh, w- this desire to learn contentment the way that Paul talked about it and realizing um, 
how much work we have to do in this area and how much we uh, end up um, falling back into ourselves, falling back into uh, ambitions and perspectives and things that just sort of tear away at the, the fabric of what you've given us, which is it, we have all things in Christ. And so, God, in this particular uh, era that we're in, this particular season, this cultural moment with all the tensions, um, with all the uncertainties, with not knowing what to believe when we read it and who to believe when they say it, God, we pray that uh, as a church body, we would, um, we would just be drawn back to your word. We would be drawn back to humility. Um, you would open up our hearts to others to, to give us that desire to listen and uh, listen to others who might, may share different opinions on some of these things. But again, as, as a way to want to care for one another and to experience a particular kind of unique uh, godliness with contentment uh, in this season, Lord, so that we can come out of this thing as a church that is better equipped to face whatever that you have for us ahead. And so, God, we just we pray that your spirit would just descend on us, that you would... Um, fill in those gaps and those uncertainties and that lack of steadiness and instability that we feel right now. You have us in a place of weakness. It's not a bad place, um, but it feels foreign to us because we are such a self-assured people. We're a self-assured nation and you are unseating us. You're mm. unraveling that right now. Yeah. I pray to leave it with, with the grace that it is. And God, I just pray for anybody listening right now that is just feeling unsafe that you would give them the courage to step out, express how they've been feeling with, uh, with another church member or a friend that will be able to listen and understand and, take the, and to take the risk that comes with that, Lord, and to trust that you're, you're in it, you love us, you are closer to us right now than the skin on our bones. And I, mm-hmm. I pray that we believe that reality and that truth and receive that love that you have for us. So we thank you for all of this. Pray it in Christ's name. Amen, amen.